Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. We are also drinking our hot chocolate with marshmallows. My cup has a bowl on it. And Maddie's has like confetti or something. Which is very fitting because we also have our cupcakes down here for Maddie's birthday. She just spilled her hot chocolate and is now using her sweater to wipe it up. What are you doing? Before we get started with our regular episode, I wanted to let you guys know that the episode that we posted last week, okay, the one on Aiden Roche, Roche, however we said his name, Roche, he has been found. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. And not only is it crazy, we don't have all the details yet. Not only is it crazy, but police say that they found him near the trail, which if you guys listen to that episode, you know that there were a lot of searches in this area. And not only that, but his brothers also were out there searching for him. Shows just how you, how scary things are. I know. It's pretty crazy. We are... Very relieved, though, that his family has closure. And if we get more information about this case, we will keep you guys updated on it. Yeah, for sure. Today, though, we are going to be covering the case of Chris Sylvia, who was 28 years old when he went missing on the Pacific Crest Trail. So another PCT hiker. Chris grew up on the East Coast. He is artistic and he likes painting He has an older brother named Joshua and three younger half-siblings. His father actually died when he was young of a heroin overdose. And by 2015, he had just broken up with his girlfriend and thought a good hike might clear his head. He was currently living in Vista, California with his longtime friend, Min Kim, whom he had grown up with and followed to California. They had another roommate named Elizabeth, Henley and it was said that he did have a thing for Elizabeth and maybe even that they tried dating briefly but it didn't work out. Min even got him a job at the same restaurant but he was soon let go from there and with tensions high in the apartment it was actually Chris's roommate's idea Min for him to go hike and try to clear his head. He packed a borrowed book a fifth of vodka and a flip style cell phone a flip phone. And he also had borrowed gear. The phone belonged to Elizabeth, but in exchange for the phone, he left her with his compass, claiming that he would be back for it. Which I find that a little strange that he would leave his compass behind. But also not everybody knows how to read a compass, so it might not seem like an important piece of gear to have while hiking if you don't know how to use it. I also don't know what kind of compass it was. Okay. The book was given to him by Min who he'd gotten at a second-hand bookstore. Um, He also texted his ex-girlfriend, Hey, how have you been? Love you. And she said, Hey, how are you? Which he did not respond to. So Chris would be hiking a portion of the PCT going southbound from Anza to Campo. And this would be about 152 miles, which he figured would take him a couple of weeks. 
Right. So he's not planning on hiking the entire PCT, just, just a, a portion. portion. Yeah. So he started his hike on Thursday, February 12th, 2015. So he was dropped off in Anza and planned to be picked up by Min on the 24th in Campo. Right. So the 12th to the 24th. Okay. Now, on Monday, February 16th, which is four days into his hike, Chris calls his roommate Min and asked him to pick him up the next day and bring him home. So he's four days in and he's like, dude, come get me. I'm done. Chris told him, dude, I've got so many stories to tell you. I found this awesome temple. Also, he would only have to do about 12 miles a day to get this done. Oh, in the couple weeks? Yeah. Okay, that's that's definitely doable. Because he starts on the 12th, right? Yeah, on the 24th. Yeah, okay. He suggested that they meet at said Buddhist temple on Chihuahua Valley Road. And it seems very strange that that is called Chihuahua, like the dog, Valley Road. But we looked it up and we can't find any other explanation for it. So hopefully we're saying that right. No, it, the, the road is the road is literally it's just it just happens to be on a road called Chihuahua Valley Road. Huh. Interesting. Interesting names. Now. Min was annoyed at this early morning phone call and the several-hour drive that it would take him to go and pick up his friend. But he reluctantly agreed and said, fine, I'll pick you up. And Chris told him that he did not appreciate the attitude. But still, Min would show up at the designated meeting spot, but Chris would not be there. Min waited for hours. He thought that maybe Chris had changed his mind and pushed on, and didn't notify him because he was annoyed with him, maybe, or didn't have reception. But because of this, he would not alert authorities until February 24, when Chris did not show up at Campo, which was his final destination. Yeah. So by that point, Chris has not been seen or has been missing for well over a week. So on February 20th, another hiker named Eric Trockman? Eric Trockman was hiking north from Warner Springs when he came across something concerning. It was another hiker's gear. Laid out on the ground, there was a yellow and silver ground pad, a blue sleeping bag, a backpack, a tarp, a pair of trekking poles, and this was at mile marker 127 on the PCT near Mike's Place north of Warner Springs, California. And Mike's Place is like a a popular place where PCT hikers stop. Stop. Yeah. Okay. Um, he thought maybe the hiker had dropped the gear off to go to the bathroom or was exploring and assumed that they would be back at any moment. And just in case he took a picture of the gear, the timestamp on the photo was 2.15 p.m. When Eric got back home on the 25th, he went to the PCT Class of 2015 group. Yeah, this was on a Facebook group. And... It was there that he first learned of the missing hiker, Chris. Also, taking a picture of the gear, super smart. Because it is weird that stuff is outside of his backpack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he read the post saying that the PCT hiker was missing and had last been known to be in the same area around the same time as him. He shared the photo of the abandoned gear in the thread, leaving his name and phone number, but no one ever contacted him. So Chris is 5'9 and weighs 155 pounds with brown hair and hazel eyes. 
He has a tattoo on his torso and calf. The tattoo down his side is three palm-sized Chinese symbols, which there's a little bit of discrepancy on what these mean, but we believe that they mean accept, learn, and let go. He was last seen wearing brown hiking boots, green pants, and a dark-colored jacket. His point last seen was on April 3, where a hiker called Beta hiked past him on the PCT a few miles north of the Paradise Valley Cafe. His last known place is three days later and 15 miles north in Idlewild, where he wrote an email to his parents and may have placed a sticker on a map at the post office. So they have like a map at the post office there where... Where are you from? Yeah, like where where do, where do you come from? And there was one in him, his hometown. So they're assuming that that was him. But there was no log book for him to sign okay. there. It was said in some places that Chris's toiletry bag was missing from his things. But that has not been confirmed. Okay. Like we don't have a list of his belongings exactly. So this section of the PCT is considered safe, even for solo hikers. According to a Reddit group, it says, Somewhat rugged, but not mountainous. It runs through a semi-arid terrain with relatively light vegetation. In other words, not the sort of territory that you could, like, hide a body. That would easily hide your body, yeah. An extensive search was done, including dogs, choppers, and lots of volunteers. But after two weeks on March 3, the search was called off due to weather conditions. Since going missing, Chris has not been seen. He has not used his bank account or posted anything on social media. And no other clues are found in his case. Years go by. But there are many theories about what may have happened to Chris. So we have suicide. There are many documented cases of hikers struggling to return from long hikes like this and finding the prospect hard to face. But Chris had been out there for four days. Returning home, even though he's jobless and has no girlfriend and there's tension with his roommate, I feel like that's not enough of a reason for him to not be able to face going home. Well, and he was supposed to be picked up the next day. Right. Two years after Chris went missing, his brother Joshua posted on a Reddit thread, This month, my brother, Chris Sylvia, will have been missing for two years now. Doing a random Google search, I came across this wonderful post. I am relieved to hear that the trail is relatively safe. With any kind of foul play not being a high probability, suicide is certainly a possibility. So his brother is saying that suicide could be a possibility. I just can't imagine how someone would kill themselves out there unless there was something to jump off of. So then I wonder about no body being found. But it had been about a week since Chris was last heard from and from the day he was actually reported missing. So maybe in that time, any evidence of his body was disposed of by wildlife? He didn't say question mark, but that sounds like a question to me. Um, And I don't think so. Hopefully the chance of him being a John Doe isn't too high, I was able to track down his dental records and DNA was taken from our mom. I guess there's also a chance that he just dropped his gear and took off. Almost looks like he left his gear to be found, huh? Maybe he joined the monks in the monastery. 
He also said that his brother had struggled with depression and that in 2006, he had gotten drunk and tried to hang himself. So could suicide be an option? But to his brother's earlier point, if he did kill himself out there, where's his body? Right? Yeah. Another theory is, did he run into criminals? There are a lot of pot farms in the area, legal and maybe some not legal. Um, There's also cult farmers. Have you heard this term before? No. Okay, so basically, they're called walkers on the trail. Uh, One Reddit thread offered this theory, asking if there was any way that Chris could have joined the Yellow Deli group. Oh, Do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. According to Andrea Lankford's book, Yellow Delis are cafes run by a religious group called the 12 Tribes, which claims to have 3,000 members, 15 cafes, and nearly 50 self-governing communities in countries all over the world. People have reported that they interact with hikers, sometimes in an effort to try and recruit them. The Reddit thread that his brother had posted also mentioned multiple cult groups in the area. So could Chris have left his gear behind and disappeared into one of their compounds? Yeah. That's a theory, right? Weird that he would call for a ride, though. Maybe he was trying to show his friend. Maybe he was trying to what? Show his friend the cult that he found. Like, oh, you need to come check out Maybe he wanted to recruit him. Well, he said you need to come check out this Buddha temple. Yeah. Another theory is, did he get lost out there? Did he drop his gear to go and explore? Um, Why were things taken out of his bag if this were the case? Could someone else have gone through his bag that came across it maybe? I think that's extremely likely. Uh Did he wander away to explore or use the bathroom and then just get lost? Possibly. All possibilities. Now remember that hiker Eric Trockman that had come across Chris's gear? So two years after Chris went missing, the author that I talked about before who wrote the book, it's called Trail of the Lost Book. It's by Andrea Lankford. It's actually a really good book. I read it. He said that he still feels guilty that he didn't make a bigger fuss about not being contacted by anybody. The two of them would actually go and find the exact spot. So the author of this book and then Eric... They would go and find the exact spot where he had taken the picture. So they kind of match it up. They figure out exactly where the bag was. And they really couldn't see much reason for Chris to even stop in this spot. Other than there was a view of the Chihuahua Valley Road. And they thought maybe he was planning on trying to catch a ride somewhere. Mm -hmm. They would conclude that this did not appear to be a camping spot. And... There's no other reason that he would have been stopping there. It didn't even seem like a very good spot to stop and rest. If he was planning on trying to hitch a ride, that doesn't really explain why he would leave his gear. They also climbed a nearby hill to see if they could get reception, but they found none. Maybe could Chris have stopped to do the same? Maybe. I don't know. They walked south for five minutes where they encountered a sign for Mike's place. Remember, that's the place I told Mm -hmm. you that hikers like to stop. It's kind of like a hostel, but it's kind of like a hangout. Um, During peak season, Mike's Place sees up to 100 visitors in one day. So it's a very popular Mm -hmm. spot for people to stop. Kind of sounds like a party spot, too. 
Mike was considered a generous host, and some backpackers described the place as a party atmosphere. The caretaker had not been at Mike's place back when Chris would have potentially come through. Because remember, he's just hiking a portion. He's not hiking it during the normal season where everybody's going through at the same time. So the caretaker couldn't give them very much information and couldn't tell them whether or not Chris had been there. But the author did snap a picture of the registry for 2015 when she was there. Okay. Okay. Now, on January 6th of 2015, a solo hiker logged in going south from Idlewild, and then the next entry isn't until five weeks later. So we have January 6th and then nothing for five weeks because it's not the season. On February 17th of 2015, the day that Chris was supposed to meet with Min Kim for his ride home, Big Dog Cruxen logged his name in the book and added, Pretty weather so far. Bobcats growling. Small bear tracks, but no attacks. So far, just hot, hot, hot coming through the Anza Borrego. Mike's is always a good place to take a zero day and rest those legs, which he did staying two nights and drinking four beers. He said he didn't see another soul the entire time he was there and he left $20 in the tip jar. So somebody that would have been in the same general area around the same time, right? As Chris. On February 21, Man Bear Pig signed in. On February 20 through 24, with a question mark, Hatchet signed in and was obviously unsure what day it was due to his question mark. He said, a storm rolled through, bunkered in trailer for three to four days. Look out for cats when shitting. They're definitely there. Thank you. Your trailer saved us from that storm. It's been crazy, but we felt safe here. And then on February 25, T-Rex signed the registry saying, we've got 30 to 4 people out here to search for Christopher Sylvia. San Diego Mountain Rescue, SD Sheriff, SAR, and Border Patrol. So by February 25, they've got the search party at Mike's place. They're set up there. They signed the book. Now, the author of the book, she would track down every person that had signed the registry for February of 2015. And remember, this is years later that she's doing this. It's impressive. Yeah. So in her book, she said that this brought her to multiple conclusions, contacting all of these hikers. One, there was no caretaker at Mike's in February. Two, mountain lions were around. Mm Mm-hmm. Three, the weather was good until February 21, which is when the storm started rolling in. Four, there was water, food, and shelter at Mike's place. Five, no one could remember seeing Chris on the trail. So even though these people were on the trail in that area, none of them actually saw Chris. <laughs> this one's kind of, this is kind of funny. She also learned that Man Bear Pig had left the area to get away from Hatchet. <laughs> And that Hatchet had also come across Chris's pack on the 21st or the 22nd. Okay. He said that the night before, he had been at Mike's place and heard what sounded like a mountain lion fighting a bobcat, and it was the next day that he had come across Chris's pack. And then a rainstorm had forced him back to Mike's place where he hunkered down for three nights. 
It was around the 24th when he headed back to see if the gear was still there, and it was. Him and another hiker would actually gather up all of the loose gear, put it in the pack, and head back to Mike's place. There they found Chris's ID and a couple bucks. But they recalled no phone, no toilet paper, no mess kit. His passport and his ID were eventually returned to his family, so I'm assuming those were in the pack at the time. But it didn't actually mention them. They also found seed packets in one of the pockets, and these seed packets were for carrots and wildflowers. Hatchet had seen the same seed packets in the trailer at Mike's place, leading him to believe that Chris had either stayed there at some point or passed through. They would notify police, and they actually went to try to get reception, and when they were trying to get to the road to get reception, one of them, they actually ran into a police officer that was looking around the area for Chris. Dang. So they were able to notify him that they had found the backpack. Hatchet also told the author that he had seen a pair of marine digital pants and a Buddhist novel called Siddhartha that he thought might have belonged to Chris. And I'm not sure why he thought these items might have belonged to Chris, but he had seen them in the hiker box at Mike's place. So a lot of these places have like a hiker box where people can like leave gear and take gear. It's that kind of thing. I've actually seen them. And Chris's brother believed that both of these items could have belonged to Chris. His roommate confirmed that that was indeed the book that he had given Chris. And he said that if they found the book, he believed it said $1 on the inside cover because he had bought the book at a secondhand store. But police had not collected these items. And after two years, they were obviously no longer in the hiker box. Um, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) She again turned to Facebook in order to try to track them down, but she had no luck with the pants. But a hiker named Jordan Bob, who had been united with the same book from a hiker box at the Acton KOA. And he said that he still had the book. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? I know. The Acton KOA is... 317 trail miles north of Mike's place. And it would have had to make the journey in eight days between February 24th and May 15th when Jordan received the book. Possible. That's so possible. That's so possible. Now, he does send her the book. Underlined in the book were 11 passages. One was, I will learn from myself. Be my one pupil. I will learn from myself. The secret of Siddhartha. Also underlined was, when he stood alone like a star in the heavens, he was overwhelmed by a feeling of icy despair. But he was more firmly himself than ever. And we don't know if Chris underlined these captions in the book because we know that Jordan didn't, but the book did come from a secondhand store, so it could have already had writing in it. Or anyone who had it in between those eight days. Okay, so the timeline. So Chris left Anza on February 12th, and he called his roommate on the 16th. And if we assume that he made the call to his roommate near where his gear was found, then there's a little bit of missing time. From Anza to the gear drop is about a two-day hike, give or take. 
but it took Chris four days to arrive here. Did something or someone hold him up along the way? Did he stay at Mike's place? How long was he there if he did? And also, was Chris ever even in the spot where his gear was left? Could something have happened to him and then somebody else just dumped his gear there? Because remember, this spot is near the road. So could somebody have just dumped it there to throw people off? Totally possible. Totally possible because nobody saw him there. Mm -hmm. In 2021, a drone search would be done by Western States Aerial Search, and it covered a three-mile radius of Mike's place and where the gear was found. A small green box would be found in one photo and something weird under a boulder in the other. But the green box ended up being a geocache and the item under the boulder ended up being an abandoned trekking pole, neither of which could be linked to Chris. So we're in 2023 now and still no sign of Chris has ever been found. Just his pack. No other clues, no other nothing. Which is crazy. It's crazy. Now, there are other people who have gone missing on the PCT. We've covered cases before from the PCT. There are some not far from where Chris went missing. So we have Luis Teagarden, who went missing on December 13 of 1959, 10 miles north of Chris. And her remains were found 30 years later in a rock shelter far from the main path. So in the same area, she goes missing and it takes 30 years before she's found because she's off the main trail. So there's also Chris Fowler or Sherpa. And that's from October 2016 at PCT mile 2301. And that case we're actually covering next week. It's a crazy one. There's also David O'Sullivan from April of 2017 at PCT mile 179. And we covered the David O'Sullivan case in May of this year. There's also Brandon Day and Gina Allen who went missing in the same area, which we covered in October of 2022. It's called Missing in the San Jacinto Mountains. Part one was on Brandon and Gina, and part two was on John Donovan, who also went missing in the same area, but his gear saved their lives. Which is crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Now, Chris, David, and Chris, because we have Chris Sylvia and Chris Fowler, they were all carrying books about people who went missing when they went missing. Why are we reading books about missing people when we go missing? (laughs) Rough. Maybe a good comedy. I don't know. I also read some interesting stats in this book called Lost Person Behavior. It said that solo male hikers have a higher fatality rate than female hikers that are solo. I believe it. Make worse decisions? Yeah. (laughs) Also, 50% of adult hikers are found less than two miles from where they disappear, which doesn't really mean anything because that means 50% are found further than two miles. Yeah. Um, Missing people under three are usually found over five miles from where they go missing. Yeah. 
believe it. Kids, kids got energy. Kids, kids go far. Walk. I know. And 68% of hikers go missing, get lost as opposed to falling or getting hurt. So more of them get lost than actually get injured out there that we know of anyway. And it also talked about fear gender paradox, which is why women fare better than men out there. I don't know what that means, though. Women are more, I think what... More cautious? Yeah, like women are kind of constantly scared. Like there was this guy on TikTok that just went viral because he released, he went solo camping. Uh And he released his coordinates out to the internet. Oh. For anybody to come join him in camping and oh. see who's going to come. And he, like, recorded the whole thing. I don't even know. And everyone's like, it must be nice to be a fucking man. <laughs> like, I would never in a million years. I don't ever tell anybody where I'm going. No! <laughs> I'm definitely fearful of getting I mean, murdered. women just live in, like, more of a state of fear. Also, there is a 75% chance of finding a stranded motorist within 2.8 miles of their vehicle. So people don't go far from their vehicles. And 30 to 40% of people will travel at night, which is a really bad idea. I saw this, like, graph that they did. It's so cool, actually. But it's, like, they send, like, four people, and they tell them to walk in a straight line. Just walk in a straight line, and they track them, right? Two of the four did a pretty straight line. The other two, kind of a little bit all over the place. Then they had four people walk a straight line in the dark. And I am not kidding. It was like loop, crossover, backwards, loop, all over. I mean, it was all over the place. And they thought they were walking in a straight line. And they weren't even looping the same direction every time. You know, like they say that some people walk heavier with like their right or their left. And that'll kind of change their direction. They were going forward and backwards, looping themselves. Don't travel at night. Stop when it starts to get dark. Please. I want to know how good I'd be at it. Walking in a straight line? Yeah, in the dark. Should we test it? (laughs) Where could we go to walk in a straight line in the woods? Without getting fucking lost. Seriously. But yeah, that is the story of Chris Sylvia. Let us know what your theories are. Also, because we are covering Chris Fowler next week, we are going to do a joint bunker talk on the two since they both went missing from the PCT. So if you are a Patreon and you're like, where the heck is this bunker talk? We're not just late like normal on the bunker talk. It's going to be one for both episodes. So be on the lookout for that. Also, if you need more bonus material, Come check us out on Patreon. Yep. All right. Bye, guys. One, two, three, four.